The transfer window came to a close on Monday, and even though it was a quiet day for the Americans, there is still plenty to talk about. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivan Scalarsa. What's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. Just uh, chilling out a little bit. Uh, I was uh, down by the gas station looking uh, looking for you, <laughs> looking, looking for you, making sure you weren't down there getting any crack. Uh, kidding aside, uh, no, nah, it's a good weekend. You know, Labor Day weekend, the last free weekend for the kids, so that you know they had to take them out and show them a good time before uh, before they go back to school. And uh, today, even though today was a holiday, it, it kind of wasn't a holiday if you're uh, if you're on the soccer beat. Since obviously it was transfer deadline day, we had to spend all day following the transfers and following uh, Sky Sports for all the action. Yeah, there was a lot going on today. I know. you. First off, you were killing it on Twitter today, so clearly you didn't barbecue or anything like that. No, nah, it was you know it was a little cloudy and kind of overcast, so it was fine. I did, I did enough barbecuing in the last few weeks, so you got to get down to business transfer deadline day, uh, you know, even though I know most people are chilling out today. Uh, uh, we tried to bring the news to the people who were who were you know hungry for it, and we'll be uh, talking about that momentarily. Plenty to talk about on today's show, though. We'll be breaking down some international news later on. Some college soccer kicked off this past weekend. We'll be talking U.S. men's national team. We'll obviously recap the previous week of Major League Soccer. Uh, but as we just said, Ivis, lots of. Uh, Transfer news, transfer happenings, and the biggest one obviously was Manchester United, who uh, who kind of went out and uh, made some acquisitions to kind of salvage, you know, this this lost season, even though it's three matches in. Uh, I mean, what do you think of Manchester United and kind of what they did on the transfer day? I mean, was it enough? Was it the right moves? Kind of some interesting moves in there too. Well, I'd say I don't think the moves were necessarily about the start of the season. I think the moves were about a manager who wants to reshape the team. And uh, he wants to get rid of players he doesn't see fitting, and he wants and he wants to bring in players that are more to his liking. And you know, I think obviously the the Daily Blind signing was something in the works for a while. Obviously, he coached him with the Netherlands, and, and Blind had a great World Cup, and and was was pretty highly regarded. So, and he's versatile, so he could play in in defensive midfield, he could play fullback, he could play center back. So, I think he was a great pickup. And with Falcao, I know some people are going to look at that and say, why in the world would you go get Falcao? Uh, you know, when you have so, so many other needs. But when it came down to it, they weren't going to force a move for a, a center back. You know, when you looked at this point in the window, uh, there weren't the high-level center backs available. When you want to talk about somebody like like Benati or, or, or even like a Thiago Silva at PSG, not that he was ever available. But, you know, if you're Man United, if you're going to spend big money, you want to get a significant upgrade. And I think they, you know, they decided that, you know, we can go get a player like Falcao, who's a special special player and I think maybe people forget that because you know he had the ACL injury and he's been not been out of the mix for for some time now that he's kind of out of sight out of mind but listen folks when he's healthy he can be one of the best forwards in the world so if you can get him you go get him so I don't have a problem with that especially if Man United decided especially if Louis Van Hall decided that uh, Daniel Welbeck and Chicharito weren't in his plans anymore so they obviously got rid of both of those guys they brought in Falcao, and I, I'm sure some people were a little shocked to see uh, Chicharito go to Real Madrid, especially after Falcao had been linked there. But I think what it came down to was Chicharito is better suited to be that guy off the bench at Real Madrid. I don't think he's going to mind that role at all at Real Madrid. You know, it's his dream club, and uh, you know, for a lot of Mexican fans, it's 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 the dream club because you know, obviously, there's a history there with Mexican. We wanted to go out Mexican player, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hugo Hugo Sanchez obviously was a legend. So, um, 
you can understand why a Real Madrid will see him as a better fit than Falcao because you know if he's going to back up Benzema, uh, he's probably a little more adept at that kind of role than a Falcao who's probably not going to be happy about sitting on the bench much. Uh, as for Welbeck, I was a little surprised that they got rid of him. Um, and I tell you what, I like the move for Arsenal, and it's so funny because Arsenal fans are all like not not. All of them, but a lot of, seems like a lot of Arsenal fans are not happy with the window. They wanted, you know, Arsenal Wenger to go buy 50 players. <laughs> he, he, he didn't go get, you know, I mean, they got Alexis Sanchez earlier in the window. Uh, they got Callum Chambers, who's young, but he looks good. And and now they get they get a player in Welbeck, who I actually think fits in really well at Arsenal. I think that's a nice signing for them. I think he's going to thrive there. I think I've I've always liked him as a player, um, and I think he's going to fit in fit fit in well there. Uh, for Man U, I still think it's a tough tough ask for them to to get into the top four. I mean, they've already started off horribly. First three games in the season, they're in a hole. But with all the talent they've added, when you think about Angel Di Maria, mm-hmm. Falcao, Ender Herrera, Daly Blind, Marco Rojo, they have added some really impressive pieces. Will it be enough? Will that defense be good enough? That's the big question mark. And right now, I don't see them in the top four, even with all these signings. Yeah, I was going to say, because when you look at the kind of the acquisitions they brought in, I mean, you also got to throw Luke Shaw in there, too. I mean, that's another guy they went out and paid some serious money for uh, you know, earlier this year before the season. You know, you kind of look at Manchester United and you kind of say, man, where's everyone going to be playing? I mean, where are you going to get Di Maria, Van Persie, Rooney? Valencia. I mean, to get all these guys on the field at the same time, it's going to be very difficult, and it's going to be kind of here or there type of thing for Manchester United, especially when they didn't upgrade the defense. So, I don't know, man. It's Manchester United. They're going to be. It's either going to work out really well, Ivis, or it's going to be kind of a train wreck all season long to watch. Well, well that's 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 what uh, that's why Louis Van Gaal gets the big bucks, right? I mean, he he he. People consider him a genius. He considers himself a genius. So he's got some parts there, and you know he can't. Uh, hide behind the whole notion that this, that he has this terrible team. Now that he's gone and been, been given all this money to spend, um, you know he's got to make it happen. He's got to make it work, and I think he will. I think he's going to get the most out of this team. But the question is going to ultimately ultimately be: Is that defense good enough? And that's going to be the question mark because they're going for me. They're going to score goals. For me, I think I think he's going to find a way to get uh, Rooney, uh, Di Maria, Falcao, Van Persie. Uh, Juan Mata. I think I think they could all get on the field, but it doesn't matter if you score if you can't if you can't keep guys keep the other team out of the net. It's not going to matter. So, is it enough for them to be in a top four? I, I think that's still not a lock, but I think I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be fun to watch, and I think Val ha- Van Hal will get the most out of that team. Maybe that's the plan. They just want the attack to be so good that teams you know cannot can't attack against them. I, maybe that's like kind of the the plan here, Ivis. I I doubt it. I doubt it's going to be that extreme. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Van Hal is going to work on the on the tactical structure to 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 kind of give them some de- defensive uh, solidity, even though their center backs are not that great. Uh, I, I think they'll be all right. But I just top four when you look at Chelsea, they're they're going to win it all. I, I said it early. I said it whenever I was first asked. I said it last year actually. I said Mourinho, he's not going to win his first year. But by his second year, he's going to win because he's going to get the pieces that he needs and he's going to win a title. They're going to win. And then two, three, and four, I mean, I like Arsenal. I like Liverpool. I like Man City. I don't see Man United catching any of those teams. Not this year. So, you know, maybe it'll make the chase interesting. But number one, their defense is very suspect. Number two, they've already dropped a, bu- you know, a bunch of points. Three weeks in, you're, you're three weeks into the season. You're already in a big hole. They so. have two points out of three matches right, as of right now. 
Yeah, I mean, you're already in a hole, uh, so it's going to be tough. And I honestly, I don't. And if and here's the thing: if they don't make, if they don't finish in the top four, they're in serious trouble. Beyond that, because if they miss out on the Champions League again, then you're talking serious financial repercussions. They have contracts with sponsors that can be can be not whether it's voided or they can be uh, significantly reduced because of missing out on the Champions League uh, two straight years. So. There is a lot on the line, which is exactly why they put so, so much money up to, to rebuild this team. And Manchester United was the only team to make moves on the transfer day window. Ivis, your thoughts on the rest of the world and some of the moves that we saw on uh, on Monday? Well, as far as the rest of the world, well, let's first focus on England. I got to say Hull City. Uh, they didn't go get big ticket guys like Falcao, but I thought some of the pickups that they made uh, in the window uh, to bolster their midfield and also to add a forward, uh, you know they they spent some pretty good money for it. When you would you know when you hear whole city, you don't think of big spenders, but they actually went out and made some pretty good pickups. Uh, and I think they're going to be they're going to be interesting team to watch down the stretch. Uh, you know w- w- on deadline day, uh, I thought you know QPR obviously made some moves. Uh, they added Sandro and Nico Cranchard. They weren't able to get Jermaine Defoe, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but. Uh, I thought they did all right for themselves. Uh, Everton already did all their business. They almost added uh, your your brother, Tom Cleverly, <laughs> but but apparently they couldn't make it happen at the at the deadline. They uh, they couldn't agree on the money, uh, and now Cleverly is going to be stuck on the bench at United, uh, even though Aston Villa offered him a deal, and he pretty much I guess he didn't want to go to Aston Villa. So <clears throat> I know some people are kind of already upset or wondering why the heck would you turned down a deal to play instead of just sitting on the bench at Man U. He only has a year left on his contract. He'll he'll leave on a free in a year, so I guess he figures, let me just play it out and see what happens, then I can go wherever I want. Around the world, I'll tell you what, Atletico Madrid, for me, really impressed me this this summer. When you think about the players that they had to sell, the players that they lost, and guys like Costa and Herrera, but they took the money that 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 they uh, got in those sales, and they bolstered their team. And I you could argue their team. It could be even better this year. I mean, obviously, David Villa left. He's going to New York City FC. Um, but the, the pieces that they've added this this offseason, uh, and now to add the Italian Circe uh, at, the, at the end of the window, Atletico Madrid folks, I know some would have written them off and some might still write them off. Don't think they have a chance to repeat in, in La Liga. But I'll tell you what, man. Diego Simeone just might do it again. He just might pull it off. Pull off a repeat as La Liga champions. Over in Germany, Julian Green made a move. He left Bayern Munich on a season-long loan. He joined Hamburg uh, for the upcoming, well, not the upcoming, but the current season. I think this is a great move, Ivis, for Julian Green. Going to get some valuable playing time. Probably going to be tough for him to crack Bayern Munich's uh, starting 11. So your thoughts on the move for uh, Julian Green? It's a move he had to make. And, you know, I know all, all summer people were, we're thinking, oh, uh, he'll stay at Bayern. You know, Pep Guardiola is, is non-committal about the move, but I think it was pretty clear to everybody that he needed to make a move. He needed to go somewhere and play, and it's perfect for him. Not only because he should get regular minutes at Hamburg, but they've Hamburg has also bolstered their team. Uh, they also added Louis Holpe. They'll be a better team than they were last year when they obviously struggled. Um, but also, the, he he's, he stays in Germany, which I think will help the transition for him. You know, he's still a young kid. Uh, he's not, what is he, 19 years old now. So I think staying in Germany is going to help him. He'll be at Hamburg. He'll, he he'll won't be too far away from his buddy John Brooks over at Hertha Berlin. That's a pretty quick train ride away. So, um, it, I, and I tell you what, I love the city of Hamburg. I spent a month there in the 2006 World Cup. So there's worse cities to live in. 
so if you're Julian Green, er- everything is set up there for him to do well. And obviously, American fans are going to be watching him very closely to see how he develops because, let's face it, he is the future of the national team. Well, on SBI today, you had the SBI Live commentary for the transfer day, paying attention to a handful of Americans possibly on the move. The first guy I want to start off with is Jeff Cameron. Lots of uh, speculation, lots of talk that he would move on from Stoke City. He did not move, Ivis. Thoughts on this? Think it was good for him to stay? Uh, well, no, it wasn't. He need, he needed to make a move, but at the end of the day, Stoke City didn't get an offer that made it worth their while to part with a player who gives them plenty of depth and 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 uh, cover at multiple positions. You know, Stoke City's doing pretty well right now. They're feeling they're feeling pretty bullish about things. And, you know, why get rid of a player who gives you that kind of cover unless it's an offer that makes it worth your while? And when it came down to it, there was interest. uh, There was plenty of interest in Italy and there was interest, obviously, in the Premier League. Uh, You know, my sources have told me Fiorentina and Sampdoria were interested. Obviously, there were reports about Lazio being interested. Uh, And then you had your laundry list of uh, of Premier League clubs. But as time went on, as the week went on and today went on, you saw those teams kind of get checked off the list as they went in other directions for defensive cover, uh, whether it was Hull City uh, with Michael Dawson or Fiorentina with Micah Richards, uh, you know, uh, all, all across the board. So the, the number of options were pretty limited there. And, uh, you know, listening to to the reports out of England, it just sounded like Mark Hughes ultimately decided he liked having the depth that, that Jeff Cameron provides, even if Cameron probably isn't happy about things, and you know what? He has to fight. He has to fight. That's all he can do. Mm-hmm. He has to fight for playing time. He's not a starter anymore, uh, and and it's going to be something to watch because I tell you what, if he doesn't uh, get a, a, a if he doesn't get enough minutes between now and January, then they're going to have to revisit this in January and see if maybe he makes a move. Then well, one player that's going to have to keep fighting at Stoke City is Breck Shea. There was also talk of him possibly leaving on loan. It would have been great for him, Ivis, to leave, get some playing time. He did not. He's going to stay at Stoke City. I think it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to move on and find a club where he could play. Well, I think you're speaking a little soon there because uh, he actually can still make a move mm. within the within the Premier League. Uh, they, they can make these emergency loan moves like he, right. he's, he's made in the past. So there is still the opportunity there for him to make a move. I don't think he wanted to stay in England unless it was going to be uh, with a higher div- uh, higher division team, with a Premier League team, uh, as I reported last week, Southampton were looking at Breck Shea. They were considering him. Obviously, they had money to spend. They went out and, and got a, a forward slash left winger from Red Bull Salzburg, who they just spent, you know, upwards of ten million pounds on. So they splashed the cash for that option. So obviously, that's out the window for him. Uh, the Bundesliga and the Eredivisie were also options for him, but obviously those didn't come to fruition. So here he is in limbo again. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, my sources tell me that there are obviously multiple teams in the league championship that are interested in him. He didn't want to necessarily go back to the league championship after the experience playing in the league championship last year. But now, you know what? He might have no other choice. If he wants to get playing time, it's going to have to be there because Stoke City, there's just no place for him. Mark Hughes doesn't rate him. And if he doesn't find somewhere to play... I mean, come January, so there's going to have to be some serious soul searching here because at a certain point, it can't just be enough to collect the paycheck and not even get on a bench, let alone get minutes at a club. I mean, this is just, you know, at, at a certain point, you have to say, what is going on with my career? I need to make some sacrifices. I need to make a move because I need to get playing time because otherwise, what are you doing? 
another player that people were talking about is Juan Agudelo. This is an interesting one because he's not he, he's not under contract, so the transfer window doesn't apply to him. But you know, his name kept popping up today because people were wondering what the status of him. Are you hearing anything, Ivis? I mean, are there any clubs that are interested in bringing him on pretty soon? There's nothing going on right now, as far as I know. Obviously, there are clubs that are interested. I actually think that Stoke City uh, should not be ruled out as an ultimate destination for him. Uh, obviously, uh, his original deal with them fell through because of the work permit being denied. Uh, having said that, if he can f- sort out a-, a work permit somehow, some way, then maybe he can uh, go ba- uh, end up going back to Stoke City. That that's something that you know I think people shouldn't rule out. There's obviously. Uh, clubs, you know, when you think about the the Dutch league, he obviously showed something there. Uh, there are some teams interested there. Obviously, he was uh, linked to 1860 Munich. That was never really going to happen. I mean, he's not going to Bundesliga too. You know, I think he has better options than that. So I can understand why American fans would want to know what's up with him. He's so young. He's so talented. Mm-hmm. And he's just in limbo. And, you know, uh, it's just crazy to think that, you know, here's a guy who when he left MLS, he was on a roll. He he finished the, his year last year with New England on a good fo- run of form. He goes to Utrecht. He shows some good things. Uh, and, and you would have thought he would have made a deal by now. And the fact that there's been this delay makes you wonder, what is he trying to do? What What's still waiting for him? And I think the fact that he hasn't made a move yet tells me that there's something in the works. And you know what that is at this point, we don't know. But I think we'll find out soon enough. Well, even though today, the transfer day, was quiet for the Americans, Ivis, there were some moves before, obviously, on Monday. What are kind of your overall thoughts for kind of the, the Americans and, and within, within the last you know month and a half of the moves that they made? Well, I don't want to give away uh, what I've written about for Goal.com from, for uh, Tuesday morning, but uh, basically just to give people a gist of it, in, in my opinion, the overall window was a disappointment. It was a disappointing summer window. Uh, when you want to talk about players in their American players in their prime, it wasn't a great window. You didn't have anybody really make a move. Uh, the 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 saving grace is really uh, some signings by some younger players, some younger prospects. Uh, when you want to talk about a handful of guys, twenty three and under, who made moves. Um, really, the only player who's in his prime, so to speak, who made a move was Fabian Johnson. But he made his move before the World Cup. And even that was kind of disappointing because he actually had a great World Cup. And if he hadn't signed with Mönchengladbach before the World Cup, there's no telling who, where he could have gone, what teams could have gone, uh, come in for him. Because I can tell you right now, if he was available after the World Cup, he would have moved to a bigger club than Mönchengladbach. I, I really wholeheartedly believe that. But sometimes you play it safe and sometimes you miss out because you play it safe. And, you know, he sounds like he's happy there at Mönchengladbach. And, and that remains to be seen how that's going to work out for him. But that's it. No, there's, there were no other Americans uh, when you want to talk, we'll talk about, you know, from 25 to 28, you know, 20, even 24 to 28, uh, there just weren't, wasn't a lot of movement and, and it kind of shows there's kind of a void there, uh, of talent. I mean, the, the best prospects are younger now. Uh, when you want to talk about, you know, guys like Terrence Boyd, Julian Green, um, you know, Joe Jow is someone he, he, he joined, uh, Boris Dortmund, uh, uh, their, their second team. Mm-hmm. He's someone to watch for. Um, Timmy Chandler made a made a move to Eintracht Frankfurt. Obviously, his his team Nuremberg was relegated, so so he made a move. He stayed in the Bundesliga. That's a positive. So uh, overall, there just wasn't that bang, that big like you know Clint Dempsey to Tottenham, Michael Bradley to Roma, or even going further back to Tim Howard to Man U, mm-hmm. or you know there, there wasn't that big move uh, this time around. And and even even like a move like last year when Alejandro Bedoya went to Nantes. Uh, for him going to League One, 
and playing well there and playing in the French first division, a league where you hadn't really seen an American uh, excel um, and really, really do well. I mean, Carlos Bocanegra had, had some success there. And obviously, Charlie Davies was on his way to, to start having success before the, the you know, the career changing car, car accident. But uh, that Bedoya's move was good to see last year. This year, it, it's really more about the young guys. Uh, so it's a disappointing window. But time will tell whether or not it, it, it ends up actually being a good window for, for the American player pool. And I tell you what, if I'm Jurgen Klinsman, I'm probably a little disappointed. But at the same time, there's kind of holding out hope that some of these younger guys actually pan out. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that the way you put it, it. It just seems like there's this huge gap of, of kind of where the Americans are. You kind of have the older guys, you know, Tim Howard, Michael Bradley, Clint Dempsey. And then you have these kind of all these younger guys that are just slowly kind of like waiting to, you know, break through that wall and kind of step up. And I, you never know, Ivis. I mean, maybe the January windows when some of these guys make a big move or even maybe the next summer transfer. I mean, there were some moves that would be made, but like you said, man, time will tell. And it's going to be interesting I, to see how this all works out. I don't know when we're going to, honestly, I don't know when we're going to see uh, a, a rush of moves again. Because I, there's, there is right now a lack of talent, lack of available talent. Uh, when you want to talk about Americans in that 24, 5, 24, 25, 26, 27 year old range, I mean, Michael Bradley right now, what is he, 27 now, 26? He's someone who, who if he had stayed in Europe, would be in this conversation probably right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he chose to come to MLS. Uh, I think Dempsey at his age right now probably wouldn't be in that mix. I mean, maybe, but not obviously to a bigger club. I think he'd be working his way down at this point to the lower division. So, um, but just looking at some of the other players, Matt Beasler. I mean, yeah, I thought he had a really good World Cup. The, from what my sources have told me, the interest in Matt Beasler was was tip, was mild. It, there wasn't much real, tangible, strong interest in Beasler uh, in Europe. And and you know, obviously, he chose to resign with MLS, and I think that was a big part of that. Um, you have a Jermaine Jones who obviously, you know, he was, he was, he was available on a free, he, he took a big payday at MLS. You can't knock him a player at his age for taking a big payday like that. Um, but still that's another player who has the quality to play at a higher level in Europe, uh, coming back to MLS and, and look, I, I, nothing against MLS, MLS, it helps MLS to have these, this caliber of player Mm -hmm. come to the league. It does help the league. It helps improve the league, but is that helping these players? Uh, get to uh, the the level that they that they were, and 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 you know that's we're at, we're kind of at that point right now. And the thing is, there is this gap in the player pool when you want to talk about that mid twenties uh, generation, that mid twenties group. There's just not a ton of talent there right now. So um, that uh, the the day I, I think it's going to be it could be a while before we see a, a transfer window where you have American players making big moves. I think we could be a couple years away from that. I think you're right, because then when you look at the kind of the players that are in the rotation for the USU 23 team and stuff like that, a lot of these guys are still young. They're not 23. I mean, most of these guys are 19, 20, 21 years old, which now that I'm looking ahead, Ivis, I mean, do you think that this is something where we could maybe see a dip in the performance of the national team where we're not seeing these guys make these major moves as we have seen in the past? Well, that's the fear, right? I think that's the that's what has U.S. fans worried is – you know, here is here's the U.S. with its best its best veterans. You know, coming back to MLS and maybe putting a cap on their ability. Uh, or, or, I mean, because I mean, you can argue what you want. Look, I'm not anti MLS. I, I see it for what it is. I respect it. I've covered it for for you know forever. But like, I don't think anyone can ar- sit here and argue that Michael Bradley wouldn't be better off playing in Europe right now. Or his yeah. the his level the level of his ability is not 
is affected in some way by him playing in in MLS instead of Europe. Same goes for Clint Dempsey. Same goes for any of these guys that are coming back. It, it affects your level where you play. And when you and when you have the veterans coming back, and then when you have that that kind of mid twenties range of there not being a ton of players over there, that's why when you look at the list of old players who are really playing overseas right now, it's not many. There's not many. There's just the fact is there's just not that many Americans playing overseas right now. And that is an issue. So that's probably why Clint, that's why Jurgen Klinsmann is looking at these younger kids mm -hmm. and saying, please, please pan out. Please. One of you, two of you, three of you uh, grow into the ty type of guy that I can build around because right now there's a generation coming the mid twenties group that just doesn't have that does just doesn't have that player. So, I mean, th th we'll see. And that's the thing. Another concern when you look at a, you know, when you look at Mexico, Mexico, their pool is making moves. They're 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 they they've got guys from the mid twenty. I mean, they even got Rafa Marquez making making a move to Serie A, <laughs> and he's freaking old as dirt. Um, but I mean, you, you know, when you when you see a Chicharito going to Real Madrid, when you see, uh, you know, Gio De Santos doing well at Villarreal, Andres Guardado going to PSV, some of their younger guys at at Porto, Hector Herrera, Diego Reyes, like you, you can't help but look at that and say. You know, is this where the tide's going to turn and Mexico is going to take control of things? And you know what? It's going to come down to this younger generation. It's going to have to. It's going to have to come down to the guys who are 23 and 24 and younger to to take these next two, three years to really blossom. So, hey, you know what? 2015, there could be some lump bumps in the road. There could, uh, there could be some growing pains. Uh, but hopefully, Klinsman's going to be – Klinsman will be hoping that by 2016, 2017, some of these younger kids will have been fast-tracked and will have grown up quickly so they can fill that void. I hope they are, because when you look at the current state of the U.S. men's national team and you look at the guys that you just mentioned in the 23, 24, 25-year-old age group, you have Timmy Chandler out there, you have Tim Ream, you have Bedoya, Mixtiscarud, and you know, Joe Corona, and look, these are all good players. They're, they're all, not they're proven, good, but, but, they're yeah, not but they're not, guys. but they're not Dempsey, Donovan, Tim Howard yeah. level. You know, these they're, guys are good guys out on your team, but they're not game changers. That's the thing, and there's a void there, no doubt about it. And we we have to see who steps up. We have to really see who steps up. And uh, anyone, and look, no one should say, "Hey, twenty-one-year-old kid, you got to be the man now." Hey, Julian Green, you got to be the, the you have to be the the leader of the U.S. attack. No one's saying that, but the the national team and Klinsman, they need some of these kids, yeah. at least a couple of these kids, to really develop quickly. Because if they don't. I'm telling you what, this U.S. team is gonna is is gonna have a, have trouble maintaining its place at the top of current cap. It's just gonna happen. You just so you get the current state. Most of these guys, there's a plethora of guys who are 19, 20, 21. It's it's that it's a gap at 22, 23, 24. You know, you know what. A lot of time will tell, and a lot will happen over the next over the course of four years. Guys will step up. Guys will disappear. You know, I was, I'm sure we'll keep doing this show for four more years. So you know, we can go back and listen to the tape. Uh, we'll see. Well, there, there won't be tape in four, three, four years. That that won't exist. But okay. well, SoundCloud will. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? We'll see. We'll see. Look, I don't want to be all doom and gloom about this whole thing. Oh, no, but you keep. We're, you know, you're being, we're picture. being honest here. Right. I mean, we just have to, like, just you know what, face the reality of the situation, and and you know, it, it's a lot can change not, though. A lot can change. Eh, enough of that. Enough of that. Not enough of this freaking happy go lucky. Oh, it could get better. We, they could all turn into messies. No. Let's just deal with the reality. It, it, it's it could be it could be a down cycle for the U.S. team or, or a down couple of years 
Uh, unless, unless you get some of these young guys stepping up, and that's, you know, that's, that's far saying. from a sure thing. That's far from a sure. Thing. I'm not being happy go lucky. I'm just saying, you know, some guys can step happy. up. No, no, no. no. I'm saying some guys can step up. Hey, Matt Beasley stepped up from after 2010. So guys do step wait, up. Wait, wait, what? What? Matt Beasley st- after after the World Cup in 2010. I, you know, I, I don't think most people pegged Matt Beasley as a guy who's going to be starting every single game in Brazil. I mean, there's going to be guys who are going to step up. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be as evil as you are right now. You need, yeah, but look, Beasley filled a nice role, but you, you know what? This this team lacks stars right now. This I, team, no, I agree. This team, this going into the next cycle, this team, uh, you know, it needs a Michael Bradley to be that guy. It needs a Josie Altador to be that guy. And right now, neither one of them is looking looking yeah. ready to be that guy. And if those aren't going to be the guy, then who is? So you know what? The good thing about it is there's some time before it really becomes an issue. The Gold Cup, take it or leave it, 2015 Gold Cup. I know it, the Confederations Cup is, is, is on the line, blah, blah, whatever. But the real, the real deal starts 2016 when you have uh, uh, the Olympics, when you have the Copa America here, uh, and when you have World Cup qualifying starts. That's when the real deal happens. So there's some time. There's some time. There's a, there's there's a couple. There's almost two years between now and that that very very important summer where you have Olympics, where you have Copa America, where you have World Cup qualifying. That so in these next two years, the U.S. needs some of these young guys to really grow up in a hurry. Well, we could see some of these young guys who have been called up to the U.S. team step up on Wednesday when the USA plays Czech Republic in Prague. We could see maybe Bobby Woods, you know, get a hat trick, Ivis, or maybe. You know, see, now you're just, just, <laughs> just being reckless. No, no, no. But I mean, we'll see some of we'll these talk, guys step up. We'll, so. talk, we'll talk about that later in the show. But it'll be good. Uh, moving on, we need to talk about this. Jermaine Defoe. Some rumors, some speculations, some talk did come out that Jermaine Defoe might be leaving Toronto FC. Newsflash, it did not happen. Sorry if I'm breaking that news for you. But the fact that Jermaine Defoe possibly could have left Toronto FC after being there for a few months, that would have been a horrible look, would have been looked even worse with the way Toronto FC is right now. But I think, you know, collective, you could take a deep breath, Major League Soccer, that Jermaine Defoe did stay in Toronto. Well, that's good for now. But, you know, there's no guarantee he's going to stick around much longer beyond this season even. Uh, it, it really sounds like... Uh, things have gone south <laughs> up north <laughs> when you're at Toronto FC. They obviously fired Ryan Nelson uh, this after this latest embarrassing loss for them. Uh, they've really underperformed considering the the squad that they have there. I look, and it can't you can't ignore the fact that yes, they had some injuries, they had some injury issues that they had to deal with between Defoe, between Stephen Caldwell. Mm-hmm. That all being said, you just didn't get a sense that this team ever really flexed its muscle, even when healthy. And really showed the quality that you would expect for the money that they've been spending. And and at the end of the day, Ryan Nelson, you know what? He was an inexperienced coach. And I think at the end of the day, it caught up it caught up with him. And you know, I, I actually I wrote a piece over the weekend uh, for Gold.com, and 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 the kind of gist of it was that maybe Nelson's firing puts a halt, and I think it should put a halt on this 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 uh, trend of hiring. Inexperienced coaches. I mean, I'm talking about completely inexperienced. Ryan Nelson had never coached a day in his life before he was given this this job at Toronto, and it was a lot to ask uh, of him to succeed. And then he, when he came in, he he hired a, co- a coaching staff that didn't have much professional experience either. Uh, and I think that was really the ultimate death wish because I think if you're not going to have any experience as a professional coach, you better have some experience on your bench next to you, and you got to have enough enough confidence in yourself that you don't have to worry about the guy next to you having more experience because you need that. And I think the the young coaches who have succeeded 
had good, solid assistance by their side, mm. whether it's Jason Christ, who had Robin Frazier, or when Peter Novak won the title, he had Tom Sohn. And Tom Sohn is now Jay Heaps' assistant in New England, uh, and, and I think you know that that's helping Heaps. Obviously, I think Heaps has kind of come through the rough parts of his career. Now he's starting to show well, but you know, uh, I, I just think – uh, teams just are too many teams are caught up in this whole idea of let, let's uncover the next coaching genius who has zero experience. And, you know, I think everyone's 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 searching for the next Jason Christ. And, and I think uh, you're overlooking qualified people, experienced people, and you're ending up putting potentially good coaching prospects uh, in bad situations. I mean, I can't help but look at Pablo Mastroeni and think that there is something there for him. Like he has qualities that he could make him a, a, a really good coach. However, he's not experienced right now. He's been thrown into the fire, and they, they've struggled, even with the talent that they have. They're probably not going to make the playoffs now. They're in a, they're in no, pretty they're much in a tailspin. They're, they're in a tailspin now. So, you know, uh, that, that's that's the whole thing. And getting back, and, and like to reel, reel it all the way back in, TFC is a mess right now uh, because of that, because of that uh, hiring this inexperienced coach. Now they bring in Greg Vanny, who – uh, you know he he's got a bit more experience overall. I mean he was an assistant uh, for for Robin Fraser at Chivas USA. Mm-hmm. He's got experience obviously in the academy yes uh, world as you know. Like he 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 started the RSL the, Academy uh, RSL Arizona. Academy. Think about this, Greg Vanny. Because of Greg Vanny's hire, you have two coaches in Major League Soccer from Arizona. Just want to throw that out there. There you go. So I mean I think you know. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But for me, I would like to see MLS teams. Uh, go with a little bit more experience, a little bit more experience. Get, have some, get a couple of years under your belt as an assistant, or even years in college. I mean, like Caleb Porter. I know when he got hired, people were like, "Oh, here's this young co- coach with no experience." He put his years in in college, folks. Like he uh, he learned he learned what it meant to be a coach. And yeah. you could say what you want about college soccer, but he had to learn how to be a coach, and he put years into the game. And I just think that this it needs to stop in this whole, hey, let's hire the guy who has just retired as a player. Let's make him the coach. Like it's just it just needs to stop, folks. I mean, you know, I know and it's not just Jason Christ. I know Pep Guardiola, people looked at Pep Guardiola as this young coach who was amazing. But even he put his time in uh, with Barcelona's B team. So. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, MLS coaches can can look at this Ryan Nelson situation and say, you know what, maybe maybe we shouldn't throw throw these young coaches into the fire. Okay, what are your thoughts on Toronto then going out and hiring Greg Vanny, who is this is his first you know head coaching job in Major League Soccer? As you said, he was an assistant with Chivas. We said he started the RSL Academy. He's been kind of around the whole academy system and stuff like that. But I mean, is this the best move that Toronto could make? I mean, because Greg. Currently, they promoted him. He was the director of Toronto FC's Academy. Toronto FC's Academy is also very good. Um, but, I mean, was this the best move that Toronto could have made? Well, I think given the situation and where, where you are in your season, it's kind of tough to bring someone in who has no ties to the club. Uh, I know, And I know that the GM, Tizbez Bachenko, and, and Greg Vanny have, some, have a close uh, relationship that, so that I, I could see Bezbachenko, you know, f- having some – some confidence in Vanny, but having said that, I mean, I know they've said that Vanny's not an interim coach, that it's his job, but let's face it. If they don't make the playoffs, there will be a new coach come 2015. So, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about Greg Vanny. If, and when he's the coach come 2015, 
If he's the coach at the first game of 2015 season, then we can get into talking about about him in that position. But I would say he has more experience than a lot of guys who've gotten jobs. So I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily talking about Vanny when I talk about guys who had zero experience uh, through the years. Um, and some have come through and some have made it. Some have, uh, you know, when you want to talk about like a Jay Heaps, like he, he, mm-hmm. he got through the rough early part. Um, but, you know, you got Ryan Nelson, you got uh, Pablo Mastrani. Uh, even Carl Robinson, although Robinson had had a couple of years in as an assistant at Vancouver, but even he's kind of struggling now. I would just like to see some guys with a little more seasoning uh, be given head coaching jobs. That's all I'm saying. Well, I believe that Greg Ivani becomes Toronto FC's ninth coach in eight years, I think. So well, 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 good, good luck to him. And, and since he's from Arizona, I wish him the best, Ivis. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, – I'll try to that. Yeah, I know. Well, you know what? Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> please, like you don't, like you don't, you don't bump Jersey all the time on this show. Hey, what are you talking about? Hey, yeah, you don't hear yeah, me yeah. talking up Greg Berhalter and hoping he does well. I don't care how he. I don't care any of them do. They do how they do, and then we talk about how they do. Enough of this wishing well, kissing ass. Stuff. Well, I'm allowed to be a homer. Take it easy. Uh, speaking right. of Toronto, they got smoked by New England. This past week, Toronto FC just looked absolutely atrocious on the field. No energy, no urgency. Players didn't care. Michael Bradley perhaps had one of his worst games as a man, member of Toronto FC. And uh, Ivis New England, all they did was take advantage of multiple mistakes that Toronto FC made. And, I mean, that game was a clear example of how the club just did not find page to page with Ryan Nelson. Right. I mean, they quit on him. They, I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. Uh, obviously, they had to know the pressure was on, and who knows? Maybe they wanted him to get fired. We'll never, we'll never know. But you have seen that in the game. You've seen that in other sports where a team checks out on a coach, they, and they kind of just, you know, give up on him and hope that the, a change gets made. Um, but a change needed to be made. So we'll see now how Toronto responds. The talent is there. There's no doubting. You can't deny that the talent is there for them to be a top three team in the East and. By all by all rights, when everyone's when when their group's healthy, when Defoe's healthy, when Stephen Caldwell's healthy, when they have their full allotment of players, for me they could challenge even for the top teams in the East. They could, they could if they have the right leadership. Mm-hmm. We'll see if Greg Vanny's that guy. Um, that that'll that'll remain to be seen. But New England, I tell you what, New England, uh, they're looking good. They're looking good, and and they're starting to kind of get rolling. Jermaine Jones is on, is in town now. He's on board. He made his uh he made his second half cameo. The game was already in hand, but. You, 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 everything you're hearing already is that he's already starting to have an impact. His presence in the locker room, uh, you know, he he lifts the level for for everyone in the locker room, um, just with the way he trains, the way he carries himself. You know, he's absolutely an alpha male. When you want to talk about a guy who's in the locker room, he's a leader. You walk in that locker room, you know, he is one of the big dogs in that locker room. Just the way he carries himself. His presence and and players realize that and they respect that. And I think that's something they needed. And I think. You know what? This New England team, there's no telling how far they can go. They've already leapfrogged up the standings. Uh, and they're, they're a team. I don't know if anyone's going to want to mess with and have to face them come to playoffs. Uh, when you want to talk about Lee Wynn having uh, a best 11 caliber type season. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Jones, when he gets healthy uh, or gets 100% fit. If Diego Fagundes starts firing, I'll tell you what, man. They're, they're going to be fun to watch this stretch run. They're starting to heat up. Uh, staying in the – actually, the uh, New England, too. Big test for them on Wednesday. They'll be taking on Sporting Kansas City. Speaking of them, 
uh, kind of the East in general with the playoff race. D.C. defeated New York 2-0 on Sunday. Nice bounce-back win for D.C. Uh, to get the victory, also because Sporting Kansas City lost. So just like that, Ivis, D.C. is now creating a lot of space at top of the Eastern Conference. Luis Silva with the goal, and then we had an Eddie Johnson sighting as well. So very nice performance from D.C. Uh, to defeat New York 2-0. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone really should have been surprised by this result. I mean, I don't think the Red Bulls have been playing all that well against better competition, and and I think DC has shown that they're a better team. And I think they they're right now they're rolling. And and even though they had that uh, that loss in LA, which you know when you when you're playing back to back road games and then you have to travel across the country and you have to play a team that's on fire like the Galaxy have been on fire, you you got to chalk that one up. But now they come back, they they, they win. Uh, in New York, and look, it wasn't it wasn't like they ran away with it. I mean, it took some big saves from Bill Hamid to kind of keep it close, and and put and put them in position to take control of that game. Uh, but they're rolling right now, you know, and and I think they're you know top two for, is pretty much locked up for them. Uh, I I think clearly they they're going to want to they want they're going to want to finish number one overall. But look, this let's not forget, folks, where you finish in the regular season doesn't really matter at all because I don't think it's going to matter. To, it, it, it's if Sporting KC is going to beat DC in the in the Eastern Conference Final, it's not really going to come down to who's the who's the higher seed. It's going to come down to who's on form come those playoffs. And right now, the the way KFC's the, the way KC's playing right now, they're playing awful. But we, I, I don't think many people honestly believe that KC is going to uh, stay in that that bad of form all the way through. I mean, teams have their ups and downs. Mm-hmm. I think KC will figure things out. Uh, but right now, if you're DC, you got to be loving life because you're on top of the East. You got a four point cushion, uh, and you're rolling. Vancouver Whitecaps suffered their second loss in a row, losing at home to the Portland Timbers three to zero. Who were all over them in this one? And uh, I mean, this is a big win for uh, for Portland. On the other hand, on the other hand, excuse me, uh, Vancouver. I think they got on over 300 minutes without a goal, which is surprising, kind of given with all their offensive capabilities and talent that they have. But for Portland to go on the road and to just, just hand Vancouver a, a horrible loss. Uh, very, very good for Portland. They leapfrog them. They're now in the Western Conference playoffs. I have a so good result for Portland. Try to tell you. Try to tell you. I'm pretty sure the last episode I was yeah, telling I said you Vancouver is going to win. I said Vancouver. Not. I mean, they're not. Uh, they're prime. They're struggling they're prim- right now. They're struggling. And look, Portland. I've been saying it's when they were 0 and 8. I mean, not when when they went eight without without a win to start the season. I said, listen, this team is going to be in the playoffs. And this was a statement victory for them because, as we said coming in, if they get a point out of this game, it's not bad for them because they still have Vancouver uh, at Providence Park later this month. But to get all three points is such a boost for them, such a confidence builder for them. They take complete control, and it also deflates the Whitecaps because the Whitecaps have relied on their home form. They've relied on the comfort of knowing that they're a better team at home. But now, guess what? They went home, and it wasn't there for them. It was, they weren't able to push the other team around to, to run run wild over the opposing defense. Portland's defense actually held up really well. They they really limited Vancouver completely, uh, you know. And that's what you know, Noberto Paparato suspended. Uh, I, I mean, and I tell you what, it's good to see Pa Moduka uh, really kind of step up his game because as I, I'm pretty sure I said, it, I don't remember what episode I said it, but if if they if Portland can get Pa Moduka to play at the level he played at last year, and they combine that. With Liam Ridgewell, they are going to be really tough to deal with come the playoffs. And 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 I thought Cod did did well in this game. Vancouver, man, they, they they're gonna. I don't see it. I see them falling out of the picture now. I see Portland not letting go of this fifth spot. 
I see the f- the top five being set as it is. Uh, I don't know if Portland can move up to fourth, but I think the four teams, re- the five teams we see in the top five in the West right now, uh, Seattle, L.A., Dallas, uh, Portland, and, R- and RSL, is that's going to be the five. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? Does that mean Vancouver should make a coaching change? I don't think that. I think Carl Robinson, for a first-year coach, I thought he did okay for himself. I think they just need to uh, make some changes to that roster, clearly. Um, but Portland, if you're Caleb Porter, you got to be feeling pretty good about the way your team is coming together. Uh, less than a week after giving up three goals at home, Sporting Kansas City did it again on Friday, giving up losing three to one to the Houston Dynamo. The game included an, over an hour weather delay, and then uh, Houston just pretty much took advantage of multiple mistakes Sporting Kansas City's defense made. And, and I, I think agree with you on this one. I think it's just a blip. But, uh, I mean, just kind of an interesting one for Kansas City. Back-to-back games at home to give up three goals off defensive mistakes. Yeah, I think this was a different kind of game than a D.C. game. You know, I felt like D.C. was clearly the better team when they they beat uh, Sporting. Um, But with this one, I thought this was a more even game. And and it just came down to some set pieces, obviously. Uh, Houston can kill you with set pieces. Uh, I think at least one of them, the call was a little questionable that gave him the set piece. I think it might have been the third goal where, you know, it really was a pretty soft foul called against Matt Beesler that set up Brad Davis beautifully. Now, look, KC, there's no def- – there's no uh, you, you can't ignore the fact that their set-piece defending was atrocious. You're playing a team like Houston with Brad Davis as dangerous as he is. you got to be better on your set-piece defending, and I thought they were just awful. They were just awful. I mean, all three goals – we're pretty weak, you know. When you when you think about KC and how strong their defense normally is, but I mean, for me, I thought Lawrence Olam was really terrible for them. Yeah, he was. He, he had a he was just in no man's land. I think on the first goal, he lost his mark, and he well, just he didn't lose pretty... his mark. He just didn't even decide to defend. He just stood there. All right. Well, that and his <laughs> play his play in midfield was was just he looked pretty lost. So you know, for me, big win for Houston. Let's not take anything away. Houston, they did what they had to do to kind of keep themselves alive uh for the playoff stretch once they get you know all these pieces now garrido clark uh beasley davis uh boniac uh will bruin uh once that they need to keep this group together and a big i tell you what a cause for concern of your houston is tally hall because i mean i haven't seen any updates obviously uh it's been labor day weekend so we haven't gotten anything but the way he looked when he kind of tweaked his knee it didn't look good, folks. It didn't look good. I mean, I've seen my share. I've seen my share of ACL injuries, and and sometimes it can just it can look harmless. It can look like a tweak, um, but the way he reacted when he planted on that leg, um, he could it, it could be a very serious injury. And if they lose Tally Hall for the season, I mean that's a big blow. And I know Houston fans are all like, "Oh, Tyler Derrick, he's good. We trust him. We think he could do the job." And and we were I was already getting that as soon as I even pointed out the injury to Tally Hall. Listen, folks, nothing against Tyler Derrick, but he is not Tally Hall. He's not Tally Hall. Period. Tally Hall is a solid veteran, quality goalkeeper, one of the better goalkeepers in MLS. And if he's out, that's a drop off. That's a drop off, not only in terms of talent, but in terms of uh, of of uh, knowing your defense, your defense knowing you. Uh, so that's going to hurt them. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully for Houston, it, it's and hopefully for Tally Hall, it's not serious. But if it is serious, then you know they, they could be in trouble. Uh, also for Sporting Kansas City, they have to bounce back because they play New England on Wednesday on the road. And to make it even dip more difficult on themselves, you're going to have Benny Philhaber and Tom Dwyer 
they're going to be both missing this match due to suspension. So New England, huge opportunity for them on Wednesday at home to, to continue to close that gap between them and Kansas City. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I thought the, uh, you know, some of those yellow cards, well, the, the down Dwyer yellow, did that need to be a yellow? I don't, I don't know, know about that one, but I don't know. It, it was funny. And I, I do. I feel like I need to talk about it because, you know, look, that game was obviously officiated by Mark Geiger, the American referee at the World Cup, who had an outstanding World Cup. Now, here's my thing with Mark Geiger, right? I'm not going to go to the extreme that some KC fans were going through that night and saying that. That you know he he was just like atrocious and he made every he got every call wrong. I'm not going at it to that extreme. I thought he got a lot of calls right, but the thing with Mark Geiger for me, uh, through for years now, has been sometimes he doesn't set a great tone for a game. Sometimes he doesn't in he doesn't set a stern tone when a game needs a stern tone. And he lets games get a little out of hand. He, get, he lets games lose control a little bit. And then once that happens, sure, he gets the decisions right after that. He gets the you know the yellow cards, the double yellows, the red cards. And the, but then it's like you've already made – you've already set the table mm-hmm. for uh, chaos. And I think a good referee – and look, he's a good referee. He's one of the better referees in MLS. I don't think anyone can argue that. But I think if there's an issue with him, it's that I've and I've seen this many games with him. Is that if you get if you get yourself a, a kind of physical game, uh, an intense game between rivals between two teams that really don't like each other, he loses it a little bit. He loses control early on, and then he's left to clean up the mess. And then yes, he might make the right decisions once the mess gets worse and once guys are just. You know, once the game gets out of hand, if he's, you know, picking out the right calls here. Yeah, sure. That's good in its own way. But how about you set the tone early so the game doesn't get to that chaotic point? And that's all I'm saying, because I got I, I got a few, you know, mo- Monday morning referee, <laughs> a few referee types that were on getting all over me on Twitter for criticizing him. And it's like, look, I get that he makes good decisions, but setting a tone for a game as a referee is also very important. And I think if there's a weak spot in his game. That's one of them. And and to it, just to go back to the World Cup, the World Cup games that he had were pretty tame games. And if you give him a tame game, he will make every call right. He will he will get the calls right. No question about it. But when you want to talk about physical games, you want to talk about games where there's a lot of intensity and teams don't like each other and there's hard tackles and this and that. Those kind of games, those are the ones where he struggles. And I'm sorry, but that's how, I, I can't I can't be the only guy who sees this through the years of him refereeing in MLS. Uh, no, I, I definitely don't get where you're coming from on that, and I have seen that a couple times. Um, moving over, just when you thought Columbus was going to be, things were going pretty well for them. They had Montreal on this schedule. You're thinking that's a for sure win after Columbus went out and defeated LA and the Houston Dynamo in convincing fashion. Wrong. They go on the road. They lose to Montreal 2 to zero and newly acquired Ignacio Piatti, the midfielder, scored two goals in this game, gave some new life to Montreal Impact, and it was a very nice game for Montreal. Perhaps one of their best performances on the season. They look good, man. Piat, Piat, Ignacio Piatti looks like the real deal. There is no doubt about it. Uh, he's got great pace. He, he dribbles at people. He goes at people. He's not afraid to take people on. He's really a breath of fresh air for Montreal. It's a little, it's a little late. It's a little late in the season. I mean, they're, they're done. They're not getting in the playoffs. They're not going nine and zero to finish the season and back in the playoffs. That's not happening. But they got to be happy to have him. Uh, as far as for the Champions League and looking ahead to next year, he looks like the real deal. As far as Columbus goes, 
I didn't think that I didn't think Montreal was going to beat them, but I did. I feel like I did say the last show that I had concerns about Columbus. And, you know, obviously when you sell your best defender or your second best defender, that's going to be an issue. And and I think they're, they're going to miss him. They're going to miss him. He's big. Giancarlo Gonzalez. That's a big, big, big loss. So you take that and you also take the fact that it's a lot to ask guys like Justin Merrim and Ethan Finley to play at this extreme level that they've been playing, that they were playing at for a few weeks. They were lighting it up. Justin Merrim was, you know, looking like you know, Seth Fabregas or something for a couple of weeks. So it was probably a lot to ask that he's going to give you that on a consistent basis. They, that's what they need, though. That's the thing. That's what the crew need because they weren't able to go get mixed disc crew. They weren't able to add the attacking reinforcements. They need those guys, whether it's uh, Justin Merrim, Ethan Finley, Ben Spees, uh, any of these guys to help Federico Higuain, because if those guys can't, they're just not. They're just not going to have enough offense to win games. And I think you know what? They're in danger of missing the playoffs. They're absolutely in danger. Uh, Chicago Fire, very nice win for them, defeating FC Dallas one to zero. Robert Earnshaw had his second goal in as many matches for Chicago Fire. Dallas, they looked pretty good in this match. Just a kind of a one-off game. They just weren't able to win. Chicago, very good performance by them. Sean Johnson had a really good game. And uh, and for Chicago, as much as Ivis, they have 14 draws with only five wins. They are still in the playoff conversation. Very good win for them. They're like Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th. They just won't die. They just keep coming back. You think they're finished. And they, they keep they keep plugging along and getting results. Now, look, to be fair to FC Dallas, they were playing without Blas Perez, who had the red card suspension. Uh, they are playing without Michelle, who's such a big part of them, their, their midfield. So yeah. they're they're missing some guys. And also, you know, it's MLS. It's so tough to keep these stretches going, uh, these streaks going. So they were they were bound to have a letdown. I'm not ready to say, oh, the wheels are falling off. They, FC, FC Dallas is going to be all right. You know, I, 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 they've convinced me, you know, Fabian Castillo, I think he's – He's the real deal. Tesho Akindele, obviously, I, I like him a lot. Um, so if you're an FC Dallas fan, I think, I, and I think FC Dallas fans are aware, I think they they know, look, we didn't have Bless Perez, we didn't have uh, Michelle, we were going to have our issues with Chicago. It wasn't It wasn't as if, let's face it, it wasn't as if Chicago really outplayed No, they did them. FC Dallas had a pretty good game in this one. They just, it's just one of those games where you just can't put the ball in the back of the net no they, matter how hard you try. Right, they couldn't finish, and then, and then Robert Earnshaw did what he does yeah. and finds the net. I mean, give him credit, man. The guy scores goals and... Uh, great pick, great pick up, great pick up by the fire to go get a Robert Earnshaw because they needed somebody who can take advantage of chances, and that's what he's done for them. I still don't think they have enough though to to, to, to close the ground, make the playoffs. But they're definitely going to make things interesting. They're definitely uh, you know not going to be an easy team to deal with. I still think defensively they're they're, they're very uh, vulnerable. I, I, you know against against a lot of teams. So. Do I, I don't see the Chicago Fire making the playoffs, but I think they're going to be they're, they're going to make things tough for the other teams that are in that playoff race in the East. Yeah, well, this game for FC Dallas also is a classic. If you can't finish, the other team's going to punish you, and, and that's exactly what happened in this game. Because Stu had a chance, Ryan Hollins had had a chance, and and you look, you got to put those away when you're on the road. You, you can't give a team like Chicago that's that's hanging on for life and you know opportunities throughout the game when you can't put them away. Uh, Seattle defeated Colorado one to zero. Clint Dempsey. Had a goal in this game, but uh, for Colorado, I mean, it was I mean, look. They're in a tailspin right now. I was they're on a six-game losing streak, but they, it was a good performance from them on the road. Uh, police officer turned goalkeeper Joe Nasco in his debut had a very good game for Colorado. Uh, but I mean, when you're Colorado and you, you need three points versus one or zero, I mean, I don't know if you could take home these moral victories anymore. And Colorado, man, they they, they are playing themselves out of the playoffs, plain and simple. 
Oh, they're done, man. They're toast. That's six losses in a row. I think it's seven out of eight for them. Uh, I mean, I know they're only four points out, but what's going to change? What's going to change the, uh, the tailspin that they're in? I really don't see. I don't really don't really don't see it changing. And look, look at the games they have coming up: LA Galaxy, Portland Timbers, RSL, and then they get a San Jose game that you could say is winnable. But then they get Seattle, winnable game against Chivas, FC Dallas, and then Vancouver. That th- this next this next stretch of games, even this next three games, I think mm-hmm. will be. I think it look. Sorry, uh, Raptors fans, but I think this next few games is going to be the killer shot. Wipes them out of the playoff race. I mean, they're on a they're on a two four. What is it? Six games, uh, six, six game, game losing, losing streak, streak. Seven out of eight. Seven losses in eight. Uh, it's just tailspin mode, man. It's just tailspin mode, and and I don't think it's I don't think anything's going to change. I think their defense is a wreck. Obviously, with the you know when you're missing Drew Moore for the season. Uh, even the young, uh, the rookie Jared Watts, who'd kind of been a stopgap, he was injured as well. They're, they're, it's tough. They're they're done. They're done. But look, Seattle, you wanna you wanna be able to show that you can win some ugly games. You wanna be able to show you can grit out uh, games even when you're not necessarily at your best. Uh, and this was one of those kind of games for them. And and we you know we said I feel like we said that with that victory against Houston uh, about a month ago when they beat them two zero. That was another game. They didn't necessarily play that that. Kind of like free flowing, you know, big goal tally. One of those, like 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 Femi Martins just had in Portland when when they just uh, beat the Timbers. They have those games where they everything's clicking and they and they look unstoppable. Uh, but it's not always going to be that way. You need to show you can also win those grinded out one zero games because that's how the playoffs are going to be. Yeah, the playoffs generally are not going to be four three you know shootout type games. They're going to be one zero uh, type games. So. Uh, I think Sigi Schmidt. I think he's got to be happy uh, about that. And you know, the midweek game against Chivas, you got to think they're going to take the three points there. Uh, then they got some interesting matchups. They got RSL. They got the Red Bulls. They got FC Dallas. So uh, Seattle, they're in pretty good. I think they're in pretty good shape to hold on to that number one spot, even though the LA Galaxy are really starting to heat up. And how great is this, Seattle? I- I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Seattle closes out the season against the LA Galaxy with back-to-back games. That is yes. going to be awesome. Yes, sir. And I'm, I'm the plan is to be there. I'm I'm uh, uh I'm planning to try to be there at both those games. So, uh, to the, in those uh that last game on uh, October 25th, uh it's pro- it will be, you know, knocking wood if both guys are healthy, it'll be the last MLS regular season game for Landon Donovan. And it'll be the last uh Seattle Sounders game possibly for DeAndre Yedlin. So, uh, but yeah, we're we're going way down. That that's that's still you know. I can, almost see, one. I can see it now. Story: two players going in opposite directions. The future and the. I I, mean, I just lost stop. it. I thought of stop. it. In my yeah, head. stop it. Stop it. I lost the the. the, the I, <laughs> write it I lost down. It. Write it down. Write it down. It's. I'll, I'll send it to you. It was a tagline. Was like see, the pa- Oh no! Here it is. Here's. It's like the past meets the future. Something like that. Right. See, that could be good. Thing, these things would come to you a lot more easily. If you stop smoking crack. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone who doesn't know what the hell that was about, you, you obviously didn't listen to the last episode. I suggest you listen to the last episode at the 42-minute mark, and then you'll know exactly what I was talking about. But anyway. Really? It was that uh, early in the show when we talked about that? Early? The show was like it was like the one show of was our, an, The show was an hour 30. You know what? This is the crazy part. Yeah. Three, if, you took like, if you take our top five longest shows ever, mm-hmm. top five longest... I think we've had three of them in the last four shows. Yeah, I know. We're really going long, so we apologize for those of you who hate long shows. I don't. And, and for those of you who love long shows, you're welcome. 
It, the people, it, it, I'm sure the people who hate the long show still listen to the show. I'm sure oh, they still course. do. They got to catch the banter at the end. Yeah. So uh, just real quick, Caps, uh, LA Galaxy, as we said, creeping up there. They're only two points behind the Seattle Sounders. They defeated Chivas USA 3-0. to zero. And uh, we also, like, on the road, picked up a very valuable point against San Jose. Very tough to play up there at Buckshaw. Um, so for them, so you're getting a little uh, tight group up there with Seattle, LA, and uh, Real Salt Lake. Also, FC Dallas there in the Western Conference. After our previous show last week, the U.S. US Soccer went out and announced that on October 14th, the U.S. Men's National Team will play host to Honduras in Florida at Florida Atlantic University Stadium. That's going to be that game will be on October 14th. Unfortunate that the U.S. couldn't uh, book anyone. You know, with a little bit more pedigree, more talent, bigger opponent, tougher challenge, blah, 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 blah. But still, Honduras, October 14th, I think that would be a good matchup for the U.S. I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I I don't know. I just, as everybody knows, (laughs) I was hoping for USA-Mexico, preferably in Jersey. It would have made things a lot easier for me. See, there you go. (laughs) See, there you go. Talking up Jersey like you always do. No, well, I'm just saying because you could have MetLife Stadium and you sell out 80,000 if you put USM Mexico in, in MetLife Stadium. But anyway, I think, you know, when you look at this game, I mean, this just seems like a kind of a cushy game for them. A little bit of a confidence builder, stat booster game for them. Probably be an MLS heavy uh, a squad. You know, you might you might get your veterans in, your Beasler, your Zussi, your Dempsey's. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what what happens in that game. I mean, Honduras is okay. You know, I think they're they're I think they're a team that's kind of transitioning toward a downward cycle as well. So, you know what? I I can understand why why uh, Klinsman would want to call this game. Um although I I still think they should have played Mexico, and I don't care where they should where they would have played it. I think Mexico would have been a better matchup. But again, if you're Jurgen Klinsman and you're wanting to look at younger yeah. guys, you want to stay away from Mexico right now. Because they're they're in a better they're just in a better uh, they're in better shape right now than the U.S. is when when coming out of the 2014 World Cup cycle, uh, so we'll see. But I'm looking forward to the game. I've already bu- I already booked my ticket, I already booked my flight. I will be down there in Florida. This is actually the uh, the Franco Panizo Cup. Uh, as for those of you who don't know, Franco Panizo, our uh, you know ace U.S. national team writer for SBI. He uh, he went to FAU Florida Atlantic, uh, and that's where the game's being played. So. Uh, maybe they'll have a ceremony for him before the game, but uh, we'll see. I'm sure they won't. <laughs> no, they definitely won't. They, no one there, you know. I doubt anyone there will even know who he is. But anyway, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm totally kidding, Franco. Um, but no, I'm looking at, you know, we'll see. Anytime, anytime the U.S. plays, you you you, you want to be able to uh, check them out. And it's and it's who knows. This could be a first chance to see a guy like uh, you know Jossie's artist potentially get Ooh. called in, and uh, you know that that's. When you look at some of these younger players who are doing well in MLS right now, who Matt Hedges, Jesse's artist, Harrison Ship, Harrison Ship, so and... will will trap. So you know what? If it's all about the youth youth movement, it's all about Klinsman trying to identify young guys who can fast track in the next couple of years uh, and and develop quickly. Uh, then that's a good game. And then I then then when you look at it that way, I don't have as much of a problem with it. I think Honduras is actually a perfect opponent if you're going to call in a young MLS base squad. With guys like Zardis, Matt Hedges, Harrison Ship, Will Trap, those kind of guys, then absolutely, I don't know. I, I like it. I like that friendly. Uh, well, we don't have to wait too long to see the U.S. play. As we talked about earlier, the U.S. men's national team will play Czech Republic on Wednesday. 
Uh, that game will be in Prague, so I'm not sure when kickoff is, but I can imagine it's probably around lunchtime for everyone here in America. Uh, so everyone make sure you schedule your lunches correctly. Uh, but we're going to see a little bit of a different lineup in this one. Ivis, we're going to see, uh, I mean, I don't think maybe we'll see a curveball with one younger guy starting. But I think for the most part, we'll kind of see just kind of the more or less experienced guys that have been called in get the nod in the starting 11 for this one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to I think yeah, I think it's fair to say. I don't think you're going to see uh, uh, a, a, an all young lineup or even half young. I think he's going to take all. I think Klinsman's going to take all the veterans and and start them. Um, you you have enough play even with Cameron uh, being ruled out uh, as we said he probably would be because of the injury. Uh, even with Jeff Cameron ruled out, there's enough players here, um, enough experienced players, and not necessarily national team experienced players, but but players. You know, when you look at a team Ream, who you know he doesn't have the ton of caps, but you know he's got a couple. He's got several. What is it? Three, four years under his belt as a professional. Uh, he's played in the Premier League, so you know he a guy like that can get a start. Obviously, John Brooks. You want to see the World Cup guys get starts as well, whether it's you know mm-hmm. when you want to talk about John Brooks, Julian Green, uh, obviously Josie Altidore, uh, Mix Discarud. There, there's plenty of pieces there. Fabian Johnson, uh, Bedoya, Bedoya. There, there's there's a, enough there for a really solid starting lineup. And then you know you get into the second half, you get into the 65th, 70th minute. Then you give some of these younger guys a chance. The younger guys who who have shown something in the first couple of days. And again, that's the thing you got to remember too, right? It's not like a super long camp. Uh, these guys are getting in on Sunday, Monday, they get a couple of days that at the most. So uh, it's not, it's not a big, it's not a big uh, time frame for them. So I'm looking forward to see a lot of these guys. As, as I said, I think when we, they first announced the game, I want to see, uh, you know, how Julian green looks, how John Brooks looks mm-hmm. uh, now that they've got that kind of world cup, swagger to them that world cup experience because when you've that played world cup, in the world, that world cup we scored a goal yeah that yeah. world that i like i scored a goal. yeah exactly like what's up like yeah. that they, they they that's gotta give you a confidence boost that just puts you on another another level it just has to because i mean once you've done that it's all downhill right like i mean john brooks when is he ever I mean, but you know, hey, you know what? Hopefully for him, you know, he get he he develops into a player, plays in the Champions League, and scores a goal. But even then, you like, how can he ever top? Like, okay, maybe in four years, if the U.S. gets to the you know quarterfinals and and beats Germany and he scores, yeah, maybe some extreme scenario like that. It's gonna be really hard for for John Brooks to top his goner goal. But you'd like to think. Uh, you like to think that he's kind of come in with that confidence that, that and and a, the little extra maturity that comes with playing in a World Cup. Well, another player we also didn't mention, I, I think we'll also see probably Brad Uzon get the start in this one. Um, he's, he's looked great for Aston Villa so far to start the season for for the Premier League. But as far as kind of a, as some of the other, the other younger guys in this lineup, uh, I mean, who do you think we could see get some big minutes in this one? I mean, I think Julian Green will probably see him get some big minutes, but could we see a guy, Morales, I know he's not young, but could he get some significant time? Emerson Heidman, Bobby Wood, Rubio Rubin. I mean, kind of what are your thoughts on some of these younger guys that are that are included in this call-up? Well, I think for me, Heidman and Wood, I mean, not Heidman and Wood, uh, Emerson Heidman and Rubio Rubin, I mean, they're so young. They're 18. They've just turned pro. I mean, Rubin has, what, two professional games under his belt? Heinemann has two or three professional games under his belt. I think it's great to bring him into camp. You get them started. You kind of get them to experience that. But to get them to, to put them on the field, I think that's a whole other thing. I mean, I think some of these other young guys, I mean, Bobby Wood, as young as he is, he's been with 1860 for several years now. Mm-hmm. He's a starter now. 
1860. So he's a bit more established as a pro, right? So you'd like to think he can get in and get some minutes. Alfredo Morales uh, is same is in the same boat. You know, he's he was a starter last year. He's a starter this year for Ingolstadt. He's got that experience. And also, I think positionally, when you look at the well, the players that are in this squad, I think of the really inexperienced guys, uncapped guys, I think he has the best chance of starting just because, you know, there's not a really pure defensive midfielder in this mix unless you put mix in there as a deeper player. Uh, but I think you could actually, I absolutely think you could see Alfredo Morales start. Um, but th- I think for me, Wood and Morales are the guys who I think stand the best chance to play. Obviously, I think everyone w- would love to see a few minutes of Hyman and Rubin and even Jordan Morris, the college kid, as he will forever be known until he turns pro. He's Jordan, the college kid, Morris. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure Klinsman's hoping these young guys show him something in the couple of days they have in, in, in Prague, in the Czech Republic. But uh, I, I don't think people – I don't think anyone should get too crazy or get their hopes up that any of these guys are going to, you know, take over in the in these couple of days they have. Uh Prediction time, Ivis. What do you think is going to happen? Ah, uh, it's so hard to say. I I, mean, hey, I'm I'm hoping for at least like a draw. I, you know what? I, I think it'll be I think it'll be even. I think it'll be like one one going into the second half, and then I think the Czech Republic will score uh, in the second half, and it'll be like a two one game. They'll lose, but it'll be respectable. I think the U.S. Will, the, the starting unit will play well, uh, play with some confidence, kick the ball around, actually knock it around pretty well. When you look at the group that they could put on the field as a starting 11, I think that 11 could actually handle itself. Uh, so I think they'll do well to start in the first half. And then I think in the second half, once you get the subs in, I think that maybe they'll struggle. They won't have quite as much quality as the Czech Republic's bench. And I think that's where maybe the Czech Republic can pull it out. And we'll see like a 2-1 Czech Republic victory. There you go. In this past weekend, or long weekend, extend weekend, I should say, uh, college soccer kicked off in America. For the most part, we saw all the uh, the top-rated teams, top-seeded teams, uh, pick up victories. Louisville, good victory for them over Maryland, upsetting them. Georgetown, uh, kind of a little slow start for them. But for the most part, Ivis, if you're looking for exclusive college soccer, you're looking for good college soccer, you go to soccerbyivis.net. Am I right on that? Uh, we do we do our thing, you know. We try to cover it. Obviously, um, you know, there, there's some sites out there that that cover it more extensively. I, I'll totally, I'll readily admit that. Uh, you have to, top drawer soccer. You know, they they uh, do a, a thorough job of covering the college game as well as youth soccer. Uh, I think there's College Soccer News as well as another site. There's some sites out there, but we, you know, as far, as far as the sites who cover you know, the pro game and the international game, you know, we try to also have that mix of college stuff in there as well. You know, I think, I think some people really want to know about the college game and they want to know who the top prospects are coming along. So we'll try to have that for you. We, we had obviously a, a ton of, of, uh, preview stuff over the weekend, all jammed on Friday. So if you did, if you weren't around online on Friday, you probably missed it all. Uh, I suggest checking out the archives because we had all kinds of stuff. We had our preseason top 25. I put out my top 40, uh, my preseason top 40 MLS draft prospects list, uh, which you'll want to check out and you'll want to print out and put away for next January. So you could either make fun of it or give me props, whichever one you want to do. Cause I think you could probably do both because I think I'll, we'll have, we'll do pretty well, but then you'll probably make fun of some of the other, some of the picks, but anyway, yeah, so you can check all that out and look, there, there's, there's some good teams. There's going to be some good games in the opening weekend already. 
Yeah, some really intriguing matchups. Uh, my number one team uh, in the preseason, UCLA, they won their first two games. They're off to a flying start, and uh, you've had some other teams kind of struggle a bit. UConn lost uh, right off the bat. Georgetown had a draw. Notre Dame uh, wasn't able to to to, to go two and zero. So already you're seeing some big boys kind of struggle, but that that shows you like there's a lot of parity in the college game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as far as kind of, as you just said, I mean, as far as the teams to kind of pay attention to, where kind of the top prospects are, what what, what teams would those be, Ivis? Uh, teams with prospects. Yeah, if, you know, if you're you know if you're you know MLS guy, you're already looking forward to the draft because your season's over. You're not making the playoffs. You know, you kind of want to start paying <laughs> attention to certain guys you're going to be drafting. I mean, are you going to be watching so some teams like Notre Dame, UCLA, Virginia? Uh, New Mexico. I mean, what, what teams are you going to uh, watch as far as talent goes? Well, as far as if you're talking about just looking for the prospects, the pro prospects, uh, you know, if you can see you, uh, if you can see UConn, even though they they lost their opening match, uh, they have Kyle Aaron, who's the top pro prospect forward uh, in the country, the top non homegrown player. Because that's another thing too. Like you have to look when, when we put out when I put out my list of top forty MLS draft prospects. It's pretty clear. MLS draft prospects, so that doesn't include homegrown players like Jordan Morris, Jordan the college kid Morris at Stanford, <laughs> who who is a Seattle Sounders homegrown player and who, when he's ready to turn pro, if unless he decides to go to Europe, is going to play for the Sounders. Uh, but UConn's got some really good uh, pro prospects on it. UCLA, uh, well, with UConn you have Kyle Aaron, you have uh, you have Sergio Campbell, the center back. With UCLA, they've got a, a, they've got several. Uh, pro prospects there, midfielder Leo Stolz, who's a German American. He's a German uh, who might actually go to Europe and might skip MLS. He's that good. Uh, you have Michael Amick, uh, a young defender who could be a homegrown player. And you have Aaron Simmons, a senior defender who's really quality as well. Um, some of the other teams, Washington's pretty stacked with some talent. They have Christian Roldan, uh, arguably the top playmaker in the country. Uh, he could have been a, a Generation Adidas player last year if he had taken the deal. He's one to watch. Darwin Jones, homegrown player for for Seattle Sounders, he's one to watch. Their goalkeeper Spencer Ritchie is is arguably the best uh, uh, pro prospect goalkeeper in the country, non homegrown because the best homegrown goalkeeper prospect in the nation is uh, Zach Steffen at Maryland. So uh, that's just some of the guys you can you can see our top forty. You can see my top forty pro pro my top forty MLS draft box mm-hmm. prospects list. Is on uh, is on SBI.com and uh, you know they're they're, they're all on there. Um, and I'll tell you one one thing I would say. I know some people will say, oh, you know the co- yeah, where, I can't get to college games. Where am I going to see college games? They're, you can actually find, stream them now. They're streaming. Well, that's the thing that that's the great thing uh, over the last couple of years is you've seen more and more games available via stream. Uh, and obviously, some of the services you got to pay for. But you also have some that are free. Obviously, ESPN three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were nice enough to show the Louisville, uh, Maryland game. Which I, I Maryland, watched that game. That was a very good w- game. Yeah, and your boy scored the winner. Uh, Andrew Louisville Brody, one, right, one, yeah. one zero. Andrew, I really wish I could play for Orlando City. Brody scored the oh, winner. Why, why you gotta be like that? <laughs> he scored the winner to beat Maryland. Uh, actually, and I just tonight I just watched Maryland to beat a really tough looking Coastal Carolina team three to two. Zach Steffen. The guy I was just talking about, the kid that people are calling, the next Tim Howard. I know it sounds like hype, but this kid could be special. Uh, he made a, a ridiculous save to keep it 3-2 late in the game. Uh, but, yeah, so Maryland's one to watch when you want to we'll talk about pro talent. Uh, Georgetown's got some nice prospects. Um, who else? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my list right now. Michigan State's got some nice midfielders. Jay Chapman, 
uh, junior midfielder who's who happens to be Canadian. There's actually a couple of pretty good Canadian prospects as well. Uh, so there is talent. I, I, w- I will re- readily admit that the depth of talent in this year's class is down. It's down. But there's talent there. There is talent there. If you have a top 10 pick, you have a top 12 pick, you're going to be able to get yourself a pretty pretty useful player. So uh, if you want to if you want to be up on your college prospects, if you want to be up on the college game, make sure you check out SBI. If you're also wondering, you said where to watch the games, ESPN3. I'm, I'm looking currently at the app right now. They have all, most of the SEC games on the network. There's not many good teams in the SEC for men's soccer anyway. So there, uh, There's the, the, uh, uh, Garrett. Yes. There is no SEC for men's soccer. Uh, why is <laughs> it saying it, Belmont it, versus, you know what? I'm sorry. Kentucky's women. not in the SEC, but they have it listed right here. That's Belmont women. versus Kentucky. SEC ESPN Network. It says men's soccer right here. Okay. Well, okay. Kentucky. Well, I'm sorry. My, my apologies. See, this is why you got to read the details. Point is, I know Clemson's also on, on ESPN 3. They were a lot last year. Not sure if they are this year, but you can always go uh, to the team's websites and stuff like that. But if you want to look for the top 40 MLS draft prospects, go to soccerbyvis.net. Go to other American soccer. Click college soccer, and it's the first one that pops up. Link, it's right there. Uh, what, 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 lastly, yes. uh, we'll... We will have uh, re- weekend rewinds and weekend previews uh, every week. So if you want to know what games to look out for in the college game in the college scene, uh, we're gonna sh- every Friday we're gonna have that for you. So, and we're also gonna try to have uh, provide TV listings for you because there's games everywhere randomly. I mean, uh, along with the feeds that are available online, the streams, uh, you'll see kind of different like Fox Sports networks or. ESPNU will show games. So they, I think you're seeing more and more college games. Still not enough because i tell you what, I would love to have seen, uh, uh, was it Georgetown Notre Dame? Like that game, come on, that game should have been on TV, but it wasn't on TV anywhere, unfortunately. Um, but there are more and more games. So if you are interested, if you would like to see some prospects play, uh, I think there's more and more opportunities this year than ever before. I also see number eight listed on your top 40 is Nick Beasler. Yes, sir. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch him go against. If he doesn't end up in Kansas City somehow, it'll be fun to watch him go against Matt next year. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That is his brother, and uh, obviously they're not they're different kind of players. And uh, I mean, I think you can definitely argue that Nick Beasler is a better pro prospect as as a senior in college than Matt Beasler was than his brother. So hey, that that bodes well for for Nick. Uh, he's a different player. Obviously, he's a midfielder. He's smaller. He's not. Uh, I don't think he's as necessarily as, as physically gifted as Matt, but he is one of the top prospects in the nation, as we just said. He's he might be uh, he's one definitely one of the top senior prospects. So uh, it w- I, I am looking forward to see how he does this year and where he ends up in the draft. Moving over to international soccer news, some bad news is that Giuseppe Rossi has to have surgery again. This is another unfortunate setback for him for obvious reasons. Right, and I and I just would say, those of you who are having who are enjoying that and who are, are reveling in it and 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 saying serves him right and 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 all look get a life, okay? Let it go. He didn't play for the U.S. It wasn't meant to be. He chose Italy. The guy's a human being. Like reveling in, in someone's misery like that is just. It's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. And, let's, and, and I mean, that's like some like and the thing is, because there are U.S. fans who, who, who feel that way even now, like the guy's been through so much. Like, at what point do you stop? I mean, how would you feel if 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 Scottish fans reveled in, in, in Stuart Holden's injury miseries? Right. It'd be pretty it'd be pretty messed up. Right. So 
let it go, folks. It, 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 the past is the past. It, 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 like, stop. Get the hate out of your heart. That's all I say. Stop reveling. It's not good for you. Also, speaking of injuries, Messi will miss out on the World Cup rematch of Germany and Argentina after picking up a groin injury uh, against Villarreal on Sunday. So, unfortunate we don't get to see Messi play against Germany, Ivis. Yeah, you know, here's the thing, right? I know people are going to call it a World Cup rematch. It was never going to be a rematch, right? The World Cup's the World Cup. World Cup finds World Cup final. Uh, so, you know what? It's almost better that he doesn't play because you don't you, – it, it's so <laughs> hollow. It's so hollow to to say, oh, well, I mean, what if they won, right? What if Argentina oh, won? Okay. Messi, yeah, he scores, and scores like four goals. <laughs> he, he can't win because – he can't win because if he does great and they win, then it's like, oh, you do it now, but you didn't do it in the proper <laughs> – yeah, so it's like it, it's, a, it's a no-win situation. So you almost can understand why he would want to sit out. And Germany's also missing guys. Mesut Ozil's not going to play. Um, but – yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I don't I don't feel bad at all about that because you, if you're if Messi probably wants no part of seeing Germany again anytime soon. And on Sunday, FC Kansas City defeated the Seattle Reign two to one in the championship match of the 2014 NWSL season. Amy Rodriguez with a brace in this game. So congratulations goes to FC Kansas City. Yes, congratulations to them. They were the big underdog going into that match. Uh, the game was in Seattle or Tukwila at. Uh, Seattle's home ground and uh, Seattle was was unstoppable through the regular season. Uh, everyone, you know, I think everybody picked them to win, and there you go. That's why the games are played. And now Kansas City has all the trophies. <laughs> they have MLS Cup, and now they have the women's title. Uh, it's Title Town USA now in Kansas City. Uh, congratulations to them. Uh, obviously, our women's writer Caitlin Murray's been all over it uh, this season, uh, covering the women's game and uh, covering the league and. Uh, We'll obviously have a, a wrap-up uh, article on the NWSL season on SBI on Tuesday. So if you're a fan of the women's game and of the NWSL, you want to check that out on Tuesday. And with that, it wraps up today's SBI show, almost as long as the other shows, Ivis. We're, we're getting there. Yeah, we're, we're on a run of long shows, so I apologize to those of you who don't like the long shows. But we're just jamming. We just got so much to talk about, so many different kinds of soccer, international, MLS, college women's you name it we talk about it so we're trying to we're trying to bring you everything and yeah <laughs> sorry i got i got distracted reading something because you were smoking crack again oh, why, stop, so why, why you gotta keep saying that people eventually right. gonna start believe you <laughs> all right i apologize gary cleverly does not smoke crack it, it's it was it's I, I what i went to go get was cracked pepper sunflower seeds that's the flavor it's the you know best you flavor need, you know you know what you need to do now you need to put a picture on twitter of this supposed crack sunflower seeds <laughs> why I, seriously i'm sure i'm not the i'm sure i'm like the only i'm sure there's multiple people listening to the show that I, probably I have crack pepper wanna, i think if you want to clear your name you should tweet a picture of you holding this bag of crack sunflower seeds <laughs> No, I see. I don't, I don't like putting pictures of myself out there. So, man, eh, I don't feel like it. How about just the bag? How about, what, is it, why, why don't you like pictures? Of you? Not, come on, you're a good-looking guy. What happened? Or, or, or has the crack totally just you're missing all your teeth now? No, that's not why. No, not at What's all. Going on? I'm starting to worry about you now. No, I know. No, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm one of those people where it's like I hate looking at pictures of myself. I know that sounds weird. Or like even when I do like video stuff, like I, I, I hate like you know me. It's like I, I hate listening to my own voice. I hate. Well, pictures of myself, a, like I don't. know, It's like this weird thing. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Yeah, it's hard to explain. 
Well, I don't think you're the only person who hates your voice, but that's. Only- <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, my voice is much better from when the first show started. Better from when I was like, "Hey, this is SBI show. Yeah, yeah. Gary Tedley uh, breaking it down uh, for you." <laughs> much, much better than that. Dude, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to the. To the I didn't do it like that, but I wish I could do it. That's like an old school radio voice. I'd love to do a show like that. Now, I is, what do you think about MLS Week 25? Oh, thank God you didn't do that. <laughs> Imagine if I did. We should do what? What did you say? No. Nah, so, what'd you do this weekend? It's Labor Day weekend. Did, did, you, did you have a good time? What'd you do? Yeah, the uh, the I uh, went to Flagstaff, which is about two hours north of Phoenix in Pine Country of Arizona, and my girlfriend's parents have a cabin up there. So we went there, and then then I went to Sedona, very beautiful, and then uh, dinner with the family on Sunday, and then and then we got a new grill. So I fired up the grill tonight. We had some uh, some bratwurst, some sauerkraut, some watermelon. I made some salsa. Then we had nice. some. Um, I'm gonna butcher the name because I'm horrible with names, as everyone knows. I, we had then we made some homemade uh, micheladas, which were very good. Do you know mm-hmm. what that is? Yes. Yeah, it's really good. So nice, I pretty good weekend. Yeah, man. What'd you do? I really didn't do much. I, I took the kids. Saturday was 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 the fun day with the kids. We, we went, uh, did some miniature golf slash arcade action, and uh, took them out to dinner. We just hung out. We really just hung out. It was a boys' day, boys' night, uh, and uh, took it easy the rest of the weekend. I did. I did catch one of my all-time favorite movies, The Warriors. Uh, I, it was. I found it on HBO on demand. I had to fire it up. It's like thirty years old, but I had to I had to watch it. I, it, it gets me every time. I have to watch the whole thing. You probably have never seen the Warriors, but uh, and it might not even be your cup of tea. But I, I'm pretty sure people, some of our listeners have seen it and are fans. Uh, I, I, I'm like I'm a, I see a lot of movies, but I don't think I've ever seen this one. It's a cult classic. It's from like 1978 or 79. It's like an older. It's a game. It's like about New York gang, New York City gangs. It's a uh, it, it's a good movie, man. I, I don't know. It's it's a, it's like a it's a cult classic. It, it is what it is. It's funny though, because you know now that I watch it, I mean, obviously when I was a kid, I loved it, but now as an adult and just seeing it, I mean, it's cheesy in a way, but it's still the story is still endures, and there's still some some parts to it that I, have stood the test of time. And I, I recommend people see it if you if you got you know if you, if you need need a movie to watch, if you got HBO on demand, The Warriors, look it up. I recommend it. Is it is it on Netflix? I don't know if it's on Netflix. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I let my Netflix account lapse before the World Cup, and uh, we. Ha- I haven't fired it back up. And my, you know, my kids are on to Hulu Plus now, so they they haven't even asked for me to to to, to restart it. So I guess when I guess whenever House of Cards season three starts up, I'll have to renew it then. But uh, until now, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I'm checking right now. See if it's on Netflix. I forced the girlfriend to watch Gladiator this weekend. Because she's never Why? seen that. She's never seen that before. So she like, doesn't need. She that. doesn't need to see that. Oh, I mean, what am I? What am I well, please, and I'm gonna watch like some stupid romantic comedy. Please, man. There's no middle ground. You want her to see? <laughs> like what? Well, like what's what's the middle ground? I don't know. Like rom- romantic comedies, like Knocked Up. That's a good one. Everyone who's my age has probably seen that movie. But I'm just saying as an example, because then because that has funny stuff for the guy, and then it has all like kind of the mushy. Romantic stuff for the girl, like that's you need a little no, of each. No, false. No, because I get home and she's watching crap like Gossip Girl and One Tree that's Hill. That's all well and good. And I'm forced it, to watch that stuff so she can force to watch uh, stuff I tell her to watch. That's come on. That's see, this you're not gonna make it, man. You gotta <laughs> What's learn that? No, what's that? You gotta to learn them. You gotta learn to compromise. I'm just saying. I mean, you've been, you know, you 
you're new to this whole relationship thing. You gotta you gotta learn to. I'm, I'm, you haven't sent me the manual yet. I'm still waiting for you to write the manual. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm still it's still a work in progress. I'm sure so me and mul- I'm sure me and myself and multiple people who listen to this show are waiting for you to write that so we so we can know. Manual, the SBI book of love is over. The SBI book of you're moving in with your girlfriend. Here's what to expect. Dot dot dot. Your life is over with. Something yeah. like that. You know. That's not all gonna fit on a cover. And I don't know. If that, I don't know if that's gonna sell with that title. But. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, you know, sure? I'm pretty good with coming up for titles of stuff. So you, so you thought showing your girlfriend Gladiator was a good idea? Well, a movie where where the lead character's wife and children are murdered. Uh, that's hey, honey, let's uh, let's let's cozy up on the couch and watch uh, a, a guy's family be murdered. She let's, wanted let's to watch. watch. She wanted. She was okay with it. She was. She wasn't really. Just, see another thing, and this is also going in the manual. Just because she says she's okay with it does not. Don't, mean don't be reckless. She okay was. She it. was I'm fine with it. That's, that's like one on one, man. That's one on one. See, you think she's okay with it because you want her to be okay with it. It's not true. She, I asked really, her. I said, I'm "Is this okay? Like, what is she gonna see? It's not. You're gonna learn. You're gonna learn one day. You're gonna learn. What is that? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure the veterans out there listening to the show at this point know what I'm talking about. And you're 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 gonna learn. You're gonna learn the hard way. All right. Well, we'll see. Just that you got to compromise, man. You can't just go by what they just because she says. No, sure, I'll watch that. Doesn't mean she's liking it. Doesn't mean she's okay with it. Does not mean that she's expecting you to compromise without so, even well, compromise, compromise to what to watch something that is in the middle ground, not death and murdering families. It's like, that's just like, come on. Oh, I got to watch Gossip Girl. You got to watch people get killed now. Like, what? How does that work? <laughs> I think, but anyway. I think that's a good trade-off, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think that's going to work. Have you watched Gossip Girl? It's painful. I have not. I, I, yeah, see, there you I, go. So you, so you don't even know. No, we, I, hey, oh, please. Like, there's no shows that I have got watched because... Like, you like that see. crap. You secretly like... I know you like that stuff. <laughs> No, <laughs> let's see. Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, Scandal. Like I, I I'll watch that stuff. I don't even. What are those two other shows? Private Practice and Scandal. I don't even know what well, those private are. Private Practice doesn't even exist. It, it, that went off the air like a year ago. But uh, Scandal, women love Scandal, uh, and that's a, that's another one that's kind of a good even ground because it has a little something. Uh, it's okay. It's passable for a guy. But uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Have, have you guys should watch Scandal. See how that works out. Okay, for you. I'll try that. Enough, uh, and then this ends our uh, relationship advice segment of the SBI show. <laughs> uh, all right, are, are anything else that we need to banter about? I was, <laughs> uh, I think we're done. I think we've reached our allotted hour 40 minute uh, mandatory. We're time. at an hour 30 right now, so yeah, I think it's time to wrap it oh, up. Oh, look at this Xena Warrior Princess is on Netflix. That was a good show. You really think she, you really think your girlfriend wants to watch that? No, no, no I'm, I'm just pointing out from for I'm just pointing it was a good show. I watched that. Did you watch that show? It was not a good show. What are you talking about? It was a great show. I think yeah. I was like eight when I watched it. We'll so save that. I don't know for, yeah, exactly. What did you know when you were eight? Nothing. I knew a lot uh, of stuff. Yeah, you know what you, you know about as much as you know now, which is not much. That's true. So, so <laughs> let, let's save that for the next episode. All right. Well, I was, I'll let you go, man. That's it. <laughs> that's like you're just, you're, that's your sign off. Like, all right, why do you always get so butthurt when I say goodbye really quickly? It's like you need me to like hug you, you and a, like you need a smoother transition out. Like it's just okay. You know, fine. Here, here, ready, ready. Here, go three. Then, you know two, what? Cause that, that was one. like a phone call. All right, I gotta go later. Okay, relax. Okay, I'm, I'm here. Look, three, two, one. Well, Ivis, it was a pleasure spending an hour and a half of my Sunday night of my Monday night with you. Yes. Um, 
I've never had a better Labor Day than <laughs> today. See, this is worse. See, now it's forced. <laughs> I think everybody knows we're we're totally being sarcastic. <laughs> it's also late. It's like one in the morning for me. What time? I don't even know what time. What is it? Like eight o'clock in the morning four for you? Four in the morning. It's yeah. four in the morning. Four in the morning. I know. So, all right. Look, here's the deal, Ivis. I'll talk to you later this week. <laughs> <laughs> it should sound like a phone call. That's all I'm saying. It should sound like a phone call. Oh my god, you killed me! I know. All right, uh, look. You're like the guy who doesn't want to, who has nothing left, so he can't, he, he can't, like you know, put out a good ending. That's not true. <laughs> I can. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I hope. I hope everyone else listening went went where. Yeah, uh, doesn't need to be said. Ivis. Okay, look. Here's the deal. I'll talk to you on Thursday night. We'll have a show Friday. We'll try to do an SBI Q and A. So you have a good week. Take some time off from all the transfer stuff, and uh, I'll talk to you later this week. Hopefully we can get some guests at some point. We got to stop recording at four in the morning, and maybe we can get some guests. Well, it's because our schedules are screwed up. I mean, once we move into the studio in New York, which I heard that you're locking down that you're locking that down pretty soon. That's when we get some guests. <laughs> One step at a time, man. We can hire like a real producer for the show. That would help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, my man. I think that's it. I'm ready to pass out. All right. Well, uh, I'll catch you. Bleh, I can't even talk anymore. I was, all right. I'll talk to you later this week, man. Have a good week. <laughs> all right, man. All right. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. And thank you for everything else you do for Ivis and myself. This is the SBI Show.